verse, verse 21 of Philippians. And we're, we're talking about the upside-down kingdom that we're in, and upside-down and still growing. And you know, the one thing about expository preaching as you go through Scripture is you have no idea where you're going till you get there. And uh, I, in my mind, had one thought of where I was heading, but uh, we actually just touched on the first key word in this book, which is joy. Uh, he mentioned the first time, joy of hope, uh, that we, we have joy, and that's one of the key words of Philippians, joy and thanksgiving. Because as we had mentioned, he was thanking the Philippians for giving, them a, uh, for giving him a love offering. Uh, so this is about money. It's about uh, being a blessing to his ministry. And so he was thanking them. And the whole book is, is about joy. And as I mentioned, we need, we need more joy. And we'll be getting into that a little bit later on in this book. But there's just this theme starting in verse uh, 19, or actually verse, verse 12, when he starts talking about being bound but yet free and having the gospel being restrained, yet it is totally free. Uh, being in chains but yet the gospel is going to all of the Roman soldiers and throughout Rome. And then he gets into the whole concept about verse 19, everything turning out good, even though it looks really bad because of the supply that we have in Christ. We talked about that. Earnest expectation and hope that he won't be ashamed, but he's now proclaiming with more boldness, even though he's in chains. And so it's this whole upside down kingdom that we live in, and we, we know it. For anybody that's been a Christian for more than 10 minutes, you know how upside down you are from the world. It's just a, an amazing difference. And so we're, we're talking about this upside down kingdom that is growing and still growing. And that's what we're going to talk about today, because we look at verse 21, and let's just read uh, that one simple verse. Uh, uh, let's just read the whole sentence here just to get the, the gist of it. Verse 21, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what shall I choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, I remain in the flesh, for it is more needful for you. So he has this tension, Paul has, uh, that he wants to go to be with the Lord, but yet he knows that staying here is of benefit. So we're, we're in this upside-down kingdom. We're in this tension that we have because we're still in the flesh. We're in a kingdom that, hallelujah, will never end. Praise the Lord. This kingdom is going to consume the entire universe and every universe after that, whatever else God creates in the trillion years from now. And we found out that this kingdom is supplied, controlled, and sustained by Jesus, the King who was, is, and ever shall be. It's all about Jesus. And that's what we're going to find out today. Hebrews, the first chapter. The writer says, God, who at various times in his various ways spoke to our fathers through the prophets, but in these last days has spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. Everybody say all. It's all. It's not most. It's all. Through whom he made the worlds. Through whom. That doesn't mean that Jesus was just the channel, but he was the actual individual that made the worlds. In the beginning, God said. And as soon as God said, Jesus moved into action because Jesus is the word. And so Jesus created the world, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power. So everything you see, everything you touch, everything you taste, everything you feel is upheld by the word of his power. If he would remove his word right now, 
we would all dissipate into dust, atomic dust. He upholds everything. We'll see that again in a moment. Colossians, the first chapter, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and things on the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Did you know that it's not about you? (laughs) I hate to burst some bubbles out there. It's all by him and for him. Now, we receive the byproducts of that, don't we? We receive his kingdom and his righteousness and his joy and everything else that the kingdom is. But it's for him. And again, Paul says the same strain of thought. He is before all things and by him all things consist. There's a lot of alls in all those verses. It's all about Jesus. And so these are two things that we could take as we begin our thoughts this morning is that the sum total of our lives is Jesus. There is nothing else. It's all Jesus. Number two, the more we fasten our gaze on him, focus on him and this upside down kingdom, the more joy we're going to have, the more peace we're going to have, the more success we're going to have if we keep our eyes focused on Jesus. So we're going to look at three points from this short couple verses here with the Apostle Paul. And we're going to see that, number one, for the believer there is only Christ. Number one, for the believer there is only Christ. For the believer there is only life. There's only Christ. There's only life. And finally, for the believer, there is only progress. We don't go backwards, we go forwards. There is only life, only Christ, only life, and only progress. Now, I'm going to be talking this morning about death, because Paul brought it up, so don't blame me. I'm going to be talking about death. And I know death, for some of us, for Christine, it's very fresh. For others, a little further back. Myself, I'll mention some thoughts about my father as well. But we're going to talk about death, and I love the one song that, that what was the, 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 the lyric? Death is a lie. Really is. The, the more we're bound by the concept of death, the more we fall into a lie. It's, it, it, is, it is absolutely a lie, and we'll see that here in a, in a few moments. So first of all, let's look at the, at the first, con, uh, first point, which Paul basically gives us. For the believer, there is only Christ. This is the big picture first. This is the big idea first. I like what one writer said. Everything is to be set aside as useless and unnecessary, which cannot be directed to Christ. Now, that's, that's a big statement. Because we all have to live, don't we? We have to put gas in our cars. We have to go to work. Uh, we have to live in a house. We can't just let the house fall apart. We have to fix it. You know, we have things we have to do in the world. And for us to just say, you know, everything else is, it's all about Jesus. But I believe the point is everything in our lives has to be directed to Jesus. And we'll see that a little bit further. Jesus put it this way. Why do you labor for bread that does not satisfy? You know, I, I always joke with it, and, 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 and I say this again. You guys can buy whatever car you want to buy. You can spend, the other day, within, within, it's Youngstown, within like 14 hours, we, there was a, a uh, well, one, one was a Maserati that drove by, and then one was a Bentley, a brand new Bentley. I mean, those things are expensive, folks. A brand new Bentley, sports kind of Bentley. And then I pulled in the parking lot and I parked next to this gorgeous Land Rover. And and I'm thinking, 
where do these people work? In Youngstown. This is not New York City or Los Angeles. Youngstown. Now, hey, if you want to buy a Bentley, you go ahead and buy a Bentley. Uh, do, do whatever you want. I always, I always make a joke about a, a Chevy Yukon, right? That's my standard joke. Someday I'm going to buy a Yukon. Uh, everybody joke, joke, joke. Okay. The truth of the matter is I could buy, I could not buy one probably right now, but I could buy a nice used Yukon if I want to, and it would have a car payment. The problem is I have to work then for that car payment. Isn't that a bummer? I have to work for it then. Then, then I have to be consumed by saying, well, let me see, if I substitute teach four days a month, then that would be enough to make the carb. Then I have to substitute teach four days a month. You have to do something to pay for that thing. If you don't have that thing, you don't have to pay for it. And Jesus, that's basically what Jesus is saying. If you're trying to satisfy yourself with stuff down here, why are you laboring so hard? You could just do without it and have Jesus. And it's much more relaxing. I know, your eyes are all looking at me. You know, if everybody did this, the whole world would collapse. The economy would collapse because America wouldn't be buying stuff anymore. So you can't do it. Or, or the other parable that he gave. Why are you building a bigger barn? You fool. Don't you know that your soul is required of you tonight? That's Jesus. So there are so many times that we, that we lose sight of our true life down here because of all the stuff around us. In other words, what is our focus? Is money our focus? Possessions our focus? Retirement? House? Car? Reputation? Uh, what's our focus? It has to always be on Jesus. Now here's the balance though. Uh, we see in scripture, Paul was a tent maker, right? That means he made tents. He made tents for people who use tents. They use tents for all sorts of stuff, I would imagine, for businesses, for everything else. He was a tent maker, so he made tents, he got paid, and he lived. We have to do it. Priscilla and Aquila were business people. Lydia, the seller of purple. We wouldn't have the book of Philippians, the letter of Philippians, if it wasn't for Lydia, who was a businesswoman. So we understand that we live in a normal world. We have to be educated. We have to work. We have to participate in society. Uh, but all efforts must be for his glory. All prayer must result in his glory. All endeavors have to result in his glory. All fruit have to be laid at his feet. All crowns that bear any name have to be thrown down at his feet. His life has to fill our imaginations. His direction has to be our impulse. His word has to saturate our minds. His guidance has to be at the forefront of all we do. His love has to fill our hearts. His passion has to fill our hearts. His purpose has to fill our minds. Everything we have has to be geared to Christ and to him. My job is for his glory. It's not for my glory. My job is for his glory. My paycheck is for his glory. My house is for his glory. Our car is for his glory. It's for his use. Everything we have is for his use. But we still have to have it, but it's for his use. You've heard the phrase, hold things lightly, right? We hold on to things lightly down here because it's all for him. And when he says, give it, we give it. We move on. So Paul puts it in this other way. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. So it's all about him. It's all about him. You say, well, how do, how do we do that? 
how do we do that? Without becoming a monk and, and owning nothing and living in, the, in a cave somewhere, how do we do that? I believe it's very simple. I believe that it's, it's always about having a Christ consciousness in our minds and our hearts 24 hours a day. A Jesus consciousness. So that all we do, all day long, we ask the question as we're moving through life, can I, how can I bless that person? How, how can I help that person in need? Can I visit that sick person? How can I help this person or that person? And, and, uh, or the word puts it this way. Be ready always to give a reason of the hope that is within you with meekness and with fear. Always ready to bless. So as I'm going and, and, and buying stuff at the store and the grocery store and getting my car fixed and putting that payment down on the Bentley, whatever I'm doing, <laughs> always have in the back of my mind, how can I be a blessing to somebody? Lord, speak to me. How can I, how can I, boy, the, the, the guy on the other side of that parts counter at the Bentley store there, Bentley dealership, just looks sad because <laughs> he probably wishes he could buy one. doesn't make enough. Hey, bud, how are you doing? You look like you're having a rough day. How can I bless somebody throughout the day? That's simply all it is, is having the Jesus consciousness and realizing that we belong to him. Everything we have is from him, and we always need to be ready to give it to whomever we ask, whoever is around us. So that's a simple way to do it. And, and there's another passage, of course, parallels that, that verse, uh, to live as Christ, to die as gain. And, and that is that crucified with Christ. But, Jesus, but Paul says it, to live is Christ. It, and to die is gain. It's not to live with Christ or from Christ or to Christ or by Christ necessarily. He says to live is Jesus. So it's not 80% Jesus and 20% me, right? It's not 85% Jesus, 10% my husband's salary, and 5% my ingenuity. It's not that. It's not 90% Jesus and 10% my education. It's not 60% Jesus and 30% my health and 10% my money. No, it's 100% Jesus all the time. It is Christ. So we constantly need to ask ourselves, am I mixing my life with him? Am I mixing my education? Am I mixing my testimony? Am I mixing my possessions? Am I mixing my money with Jesus? Do, do I ever... Do I ever say to him, yeah, Jesus, I need you for that, but, you know, this part, I, it's okay, I got it. That's not ever a good thing to say, by the way. Because as soon as you say you got this part, guess what? <laughs> you ain't got it anymore. For the believer, there is only Jesus. For me to live is Christ. And the reason that we struggle with this so much is because we are children of Adam and Eve, aren't we? Still. And I guarantee you, we always know a better way. Don't we? We always. If I asked every one of you in this congregation the best way to do X, whatever, anything, bake a cake, fix a tire, paint a wall, whatever. If I asked everybody, I would have 510 different things of how to do it the best way. And you would all be wrong because my way is the best way. But see, that gets us in trouble with Jesus because whenever the Holy Spirit speaks to us, deep inside of our Adam's nature, we always have a better way. Got to get rid of that thing. It's all Jesus all the time. 
all the time. So there is, for the believer, there is only Christ. Second thing is, for the believer, there is only life. When we truly find our moorings in Jesus, we discover that there really is only life. And Paul very clearly says that there's no difference between life and death. There really isn't for the believer. If I live, then I live Jesus. If I die, I get more of Jesus. I lose this flesh, and now I have all Jesus. <laughs> How wonderful. I gain, he says. I gain. The, the, the beautiful, beautiful uh, story, uh, you know it well, of Lazarus being raised from the dead. And, and he, we know the story. He was dead four days. And then finally, as he came, Martha came to him and said, Lord, if you had been here, now remember, I have a better idea. <laughs> I know what should have happened, Lord. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, that's quite a faith statement, because she saw him heal sick people. So she knew, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Again, a pretty big statement. And he said, your brother will rise again. And she, being a good Jew, said, well, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day. As a matter of fact, the early Jews, and I don't know if it's still taught today, uh, some of the early um, uh, uh, rabbis taught something, uh, Gilgul Neshamat. It's called the cycle of souls. And they believe that only people, only Jews that died in Israel proper would be resurrected. So there are underground passages that if a person dies outside of Israel, so if Abraham uh, Goldstein dies in New Jersey that his soul is transported in underground passages, and when it reaches Israel, then God breathes life to him and he'll be resurrected. So that's what they do. So she was a good Jew. She knew, well, at the end of the age, there's going to be a resurrection. And then you know, uh, you know what Jesus said. He said, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. That is, at creation, I am life. I am right now life. 10 million years from now, 10,000 years ago, I am life right now. I'm life back then. I'm life out there. I am life eternal. I am life with no beginning. I am life with no end. My life is holding your atoms together. In a very short time, my body will die, but my life will continue to go. I am life. I cannot die. I am life. So understand what that means for us. All we have is life because all we have is Jesus. There is only life because there is only Jesus. And then he says, after that, that wonderful message, passage, and he who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live, and he who believes in me shall never die. Oh, that's just kooky. He that believes in me shall never die die what but we just saw people in caskets this past week two of them that wasn't them they weren't there they didn't die they say okay everybody get the straight jacket now see here's here's part of our problem we view life uh, as points on a line don't we we view, we view life as a sequence of events. 
Uh, I talked about Irenaeus, a church father, uh, last, last Sunday, and he would always say that history is not a sequence of events to God. To God, history is one event. From the eons before the Big Bang or whatever happened to the eons of whatever end will be, but there is no end, that is one event for him. It's, it's, a, it's a sphere. It's a ball. He just looks at it all. He can turn it any way he wants to. He can see any facet of history at any time, whenever he wants to. For us, history is events, points on a line. We're trapped in that. God does not have to wait till for Monday morning to come. He's already there, right? He, he, didn't, he didn't say, oh no, Duke Ferdinand was just assassinated and World War I's going to start. What are we going to do with all the bodies? He didn't say that. He, he, didn't, he didn't say, got up from a nap and said, hey, wait a minute. What? Eve ate the fruit? Are you serious? Oh, my me. Some of you will get that later, don't worry. You'll get it later. Oh, wait a minute, Michael, wait, weren't you down there? Gabriel, didn't I tell you to, oh, come on, wait, Lucifer, Lucifer, hey, where's Lucifer? It, none of that happened. It was all a singular event that he already knew was going to happen. It, it was all complete. We see life as birth at X amount of years of life, followed by the event of death, and then after that, the afterlife. But God does not see a series of events. He sees before the beginning and after the end. We can't understand that. How can you see something before it starts? But he can. How can you see something after it ends? But he can. And, and I believe it behooves us to change the way we think about life and death and everything else and realize that there is no death for the believer. There is none. Take my father, for instance. I'll use him as an example. I think, I think that he should have lived another 10 to 15 years. I think so. He was still, my mom and him, they were still preaching and doing songs at, at, the, at the nursing, at the uh, uh, assisted living. He was still preaching. He'd still fill in for people and stuff like that. Still fill in the pulpits and things like that. I think he should have had another 10 to 15 years. So God looks at me and says, okay, Mr. Hotshot, what, did, what plan did you have for the next 10 or 15 years of his life? What, what were you going to do? Let, let's get that down. Let's find out what your plans were for your dad to live those X amount of years. Well, I don't know. Could have gone to Ruley Brothers more. I don't know. I don't know. Well, that believer died too soon. Number one, again, let's go back and recap, recap the passages. Number one, they did not die, because Jesus just told us that. They did not die. And number, number two, there is no soon or late for Jesus. Martha, if you would have just been here... <coughs> Wait a minute. You're a human being. I'm a human. What gives me the right to say when God should be anywhere at any time? 
I, I'm not omniscient. I don't know the beginning from the end. I, if I was Martha, I didn't know that he was going to do something more incredible than it could ever be imagined and raise somebody from the dead. I, so I don't understand. Here's another one. Since we're, since we're going down this road of kookiness. Okay, we got plenty of time. If I was God, and when, you know, remember, whenever I say that, everybody needs to go, oh, thank God he's not God. If I was God, there would have never been anyone persecuted to death. Everyone in the early church and every person from John Hess to William Tyndale to all the rest would have had the same experience of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel in the lion's den. Every one of them would have been delivered. I would have not let any of them die. Because in my thinking, I would say, wait a minute, wait a minute. If John Hess or William Tyndale, who's, who's writing scripture for everybody so they could read it, if, if they're going to die at 50, well, that doesn't make sense. They need to be miraculously delivered from the fire. They need to have their hands suddenly come off, and then they need to step down out of the fire and start preaching and go on another 50 years, right? That would make sense to me. But I'm not God. I don't know why they died early like they did. I don't know why God didn't deliver them. I don't know. I don't know. To me, I would have delivered them. But that's because I view life as a sequence of events, don't I? And I think I have a timeline, and my timeline is correct. (laughs) My timeline makes sense to me. But in God's view, seeing the beginning from before the beginning and after the end, he sees it all and he says, you have no idea what I'm doing. You have no idea. Now, I know all of you are looking at me. You're either going crazy with me or you're processing. But Paul says, for me to live my life is Christ. And for me to die, that is, for my body to cease to function, is further life in Christ. It is gain. So we have to understand in this upside-down kingdom... There is no loss or gain, is there? There's only gain. He says, for me to live is Christ, which is good, and for me to die is even gooder. So from the point of our birth, in Christ, our existence is perpetually upward growth. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. It's perpetually upward And that leads us to the last point, and that is this. For the believer, there is only progress. There is only progress. We don't go backwards. We only go forwards. If if, if I am born and accept Christ at 10 years old and die, I've just moved forward a thousand steps. I'm already there. If I live till I'm 100 and go to be... My life was Christ, and now it's gain. Now, I'm not saying that life will always be a bed of roses or a bowl of cherries, right? We know that. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be tribulation. There's going to be loss. There's going to be challenge all the time. That's, that's the way we fight in this realm. But our lives in Jesus do not spiral down. They spiral up all the time. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. In the world, Jesus said, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Now you may say, well, this, so then does this mean that we should all be like Jim Jones and we should have a drinking party here and (laughs) all die, right? 
If it's better to go be with... No, no. Because we are not in charge of our destiny, are we? Jesus is in charge of our destiny. I can't tell you where you're going. You can't tell me where I'm going. Jesus is in charge of the whole thing. All he wants from us is to just simply follow him. Follow him. And this is not to say that we do not believe in healing. We absolutely believe in healing. Every time there's sickness, I'm going to pray for that person to be healed. Hallelujah. And that's the way it should be. Because I don't know what the appointed time is for that person. I don't know anything about it. All I do know is from scripture, I do know God's a healer. So we pray for healing. So, but the concept of us is that because we're in Christ, all we have is life and all we have is progress. We spiral up. Uh, let's put it to this way. I love this passage from, from Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter. You know it. Some of you might even know it by heart. But, but God spoke to Israel, and he said, here's the way it's going to work for you guys. If you diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord and observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, Moses said. So in other words, if you get your focus off of death and loss and dying and get your focus on who Jesus is, and get that gaze on him all the time and realize that your life is wrapped up in him. Everything you have belongs to him. Everything you're doing belongs to him. Every intention you have belongs to him. And if you realize that, you begin to follow him. If you do that, take the word and hide it in your heart. If you do all those things, then he said, all these blessings are going to come upon you and overtake you. I like being overtaken by blessings. <laughs> I, I, don't, I like when they come up beside me and I go, that's nice, but I like it when they go beyond me too. I like blessings all around me. All the, you'll be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the, in the country. You'll be blessed in the fruit of your body, in the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, and the increase of your cattle, and the offsprings of your flock. You say, wait a minute, I don't have cattle, I don't have herds, I don't have flocks. All of those things represent money back then, didn't they? God will bless you financially. He will bless you emotionally. He will bless you in every area that you need to be blessed. You'll be blessed in the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, and the increase of the cattle of the offspring of your flocks. You'll be blessed in your basket. You'll be blessed in your kneading bowl. You'll be blessed when you come in, and you'll be blessed when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They'll come at you in one direction, and they will flee in seven different directions directions. The Lord will command his blessings on you and your storehouses and in all you set your hand to do. I want that blessing. I don't care what I have or don't have. I don't care what my salary is or isn't. Well, wait a minute. Don't listen to that board. No. I don't care any... I just want Jesus, because when, if I have Jesus, I've got everything I need. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body and the increase of your livestock. He repeats it in the produce of your ground. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you shall be above and not beneath. <laughs> His goal and his purpose, whether I live or whether I die, if I, if I die, I'm gaining. It doesn't matter. His purpose is to make us the head and not the tail. His purpose is to make us above and not beneath. And I believe that there was a prophetic aspect to that when, when Moses was speaking that. He didn't know 
He didn't know prophetically that in the last days there was going to come a time. He probably maybe knew about the Messiah and he probably saw some foreshadowings, but he didn't know that there would come a Messiah that would release captivity and release captives from captivity, give gifts to men, and seat all of us far above all principalities and powers and names that are named. Everything. So we are above and we are not beneath. And I know in this world, I know when when you look at your paycheck, when you look at your electric bill, when you look at the gas going into your car, when you look at the struggles you might have, when you look at things like that, when you look at the sickness in your body, when you look at the feeling that you're feeling, when you look at the loved one you lost, when you look at the problems you have, it is very easy for us to fall beneath, isn't it? Very easy. So the simple solution is stop looking at those things. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, suffered the shame. Wow. Endured it all. Learned as obedience, as a son, Hebrew said. He learned as a son the obedience of how to live life above So we're still growing, folks. We're still growing. We didn't stop. We didn't stop. And we never will. We never, ever will stop. I believe, and I don't know what this even means, I don't believe we're going to stop growing 10 million years from now either. I believe he's still going to keep us growing and moving in some new dimension or some new realm. I don't know. I don't know what I even mean by that. But he's a growing God. He's not a beneath. He's an above God. And that's who he wants us to be. Father, we just thank you so much. How sad it would be if Paul said to live is Christ and to die is it's over. Or to live is nothing but struggles. And then when we die, we might get Jesus. No. In the midst of all of his difficulties, to live is Jesus. Hallelujah. All of his power. All of his healing. All of his authority. All of the greater works. That's what we have now as we're breathing. And then when we stop breathing, we get a 100,000 times more. We gain. So help us to keep our eyes on the gain and not the loss. Help us to keep our eyes on the above and not beneath. And no matter what the world throws at us, we can just laugh at it and say, do whatever you need to do, because whatever you do, I win. We always win. Because Jesus is the ultimate winner. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's stand together. I, 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 think, I, I think I like that, those last two words. I win. Everybody just raise your hand and say that to him. I win. I win. I win. We win in Jesus because Jesus is the winner. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise his name. Turn around. Bless somebody. Go forth praising him in Jesus' name.